and welcome to your Roy Rooters podcast, your hope for your nine-time World Series champion, Boston Red Sox, your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, your 17-time NBA champion, Boston Celtics, your 17 or your six-time Stanley Cup champion, Boston Bruins, your 11-time national champions in football, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And your 51-time Scottish Premier League champion, Celtic football. Your six-time English Premier League champion, Chelsea football. Your Gonzaga, your Gonzaga Bulldog, your Gonzaga men's basketball Bulldogs. Your Wright State, Wright State Raiders baseball, and your five-time national champions in college hockey, the Boston College Eagles. I'm your host, Tom O'Shea, also known as the T.O. Schwiggins. Also known as the Junkyard Dog. You can't change that. A little bit better on the intro. A little bit better. I mean, could do a little bit better, but yeah. Still, still acceptable. All right. So we so welcome back after a week off hiatus. Yeah, that's what we do. We do a week like a once a month or once a, or one week a month. We decide, you know what, we're just gonna take a break and just just relax, just chillax. Now record a podcast and like try to do something where, like, we try to make it, like, kind of a lengthy episode. Yeah. We'll try, yeah. So, anyway. So, welcome back. We got some good news. We got some bad news. A lot of sports were going on while we were gone. Yeah. Celtics are in the postseason. Yeah, and they're one game away from uh, moving on the postseason. The Bruins are moving on the postseason. They're starting their uh, playoff series tomorrow. The Red Sox are kind of starting to play bad or play bad since we last talked. But they kind of have picked it up the last few games. Uh, Notre Dame, some news there. Some Patriots news. Celtic football news. Chelsea news. Um, a few other news, too. Yeah. A little bit some book league standings to talk about, to talk about, and a book report. And some sad news about a place that I went to in Boston that is now possibly shutting down for good. We'll get into that later and what that connection to this show or inspiration to the show actually meant to something like that. All right. All right. So let's get on some Red Sox news. So there have been some news. Some games have been played. When was the last time we talked? Like Saturday? Yeah, Saturday. I think Saturday morning. I could believe. Yeah, I, I do believe it was Saturday morning. It was before. Yeah, because I went over to dinner at my parents' house. With the family gathering and stuff like that, yeah, yes, it was less than ten people. Less than ten people. Don't don't get excited. It was just mainly just my brothers and sisters, my mom, dad, and my nephew, and my brother-in-law. So that's just about it. Yeah, All right. I don't know. We're still doing that anymore. I don't know. I kind of just yeah. All right. So that was the eighth. All right. So. All right, so we talked about Friday's game. Saturday's game hadn't happened yet. It was still – it happened during the night. And really not a lot of offense in this game. Yeah. The, yeah, the Blue Jays' bullpen was really good, especially their uh, – one of their key pitchers, uh, Anthony Kay, was really good. He got the win for them. Walden kind of stumbled a little bit in the bullpen, and he kind of got the loss as the Red Sox lost to the Blue Jays. Two to one on the August the eighth game, yeah. So that decreased their record to five and nine. Sunday's game, 
That Sunday's game on the ninth uh, was decent. Well, better offensive game than lap than uh Saturday or the the previous night's game. Very good. Yeah. Let's see. So yeah, Mitch Moreland had two home runs and a key home run. We'll talk about later. Yeah. So yeah. So basically, so as I said, Evaldi pitched a really good game. He like tied a career high in strikeouts. It was tied heading into the eighth, but we had two men or had two men out with um we had two men out and it looked like there was gonna be extra innings, but Sander Bogarts walked and then Mitch Moreland came to the plate and he hit a two-run Johnson. It over center field to win it and win the series on a walk-off at Fenway Park. Play dirty water. Yeah. So five to three as the final score was Red Sox five, Blue Jay three. Yeah. Then we had an eight-game skid, which we'll go over. Yeah. So that Monday's game that they played. They played against the Rays. Better offensive performance, but the pitching didn't come through for us in the end. And the final score of that night's game was 8-7 Red Sox, or 8-7 Rays won. So that increased our record to 8, or uh, to a, I have to go to the record. I want to see. Oh, yeah. So also in that game, J.D. Martinez did get his first home run of the year off of Ryan Yarbo. But that was pretty much about it. Yeah, so Red Sox, as I said, Red Sox lost 8-7. That decreased their record to 6-10. The following night's game, nothing much going on. Martin Perez pitched a really good game in the losing effort, but bullpen didn't really help us out. He did get slapped with a loss, and the Red Sox ended up losing this game 8-2. So 6-11. And then that Wednesday night's game, better offensive performance. They had a chance in the – they came back and scored five runs in the ninth, in the eighth inning, but thanks to an Austin Meadows home run in the ninth inning, that basically put the dagger in the – or put the nail in the coffin. Red Sox go on to lose 9-5 to five to the Rays, 6-12. to 12. Yeah. Not great. Godley was not really good. He was not really good. He basically got hit hard pretty quickly. Yeah. If it wasn't for a base hit, if, if, yeah, if they didn't get off, they'd start, if the Red Sox didn't start scoring base hits in the first inning of that game, I would have been losing my mind. Because, yeah, seriously, yeah. All right. So, as I said, so first, and then Thursday's game, whoo. Where do we start from here? <laughs> Yeah, well, um, first off, Kyle Hart sucks, or he sucked in this game. Yeah, his first career start, and he basically just got lit up. Yeah, really, literally. Yeah, so the Red Sox, they did score two runs in the third inning. We did take the lead in the first, but then that was about it. Basically, the race just started running away with this in the later innings. And the final score of that game was, brace yourself for this, 17 to 8 raise. Oh Lord. Yeah, so that decreased our record due 6 and 13. Then we played a weekend series from or Friday the 14th to Monday the 17th. 
and basically it was a sweep. I'll just go over the game. So the first game, so Brewer goes on the mound. Colton Brewer or or uh, Garrett or Garrett Cole was really good for the Yankees. He pitched really good, and the Red Sox were just annihilated by our openers were annihilated by the Yankees offense. Ten to three, Yankees win. Uh, the Chris our record two six and fourteen, not great. Then on Saturday of that week, um, so yeah, Brazier or uh, um, Evaldi pitched and he was not really that great. He was really off, and then um, yeah, yeah, Frazier basically pitched or a bit. Clip Frazier was really good. Yeah, as I said, or Aaron Judge was out for the game, so he did not play, so he's on the IL. And basically, Clint Frazier basically stepped up, and, yeah, Yankees won again, 11-5. to A little more offense, yeah. So they were saying in a Saturday night's broadcast, radio broadcast, because, A, I'm not listening or uh, watching the nationally televised Red Sox and Yankees in because, A, all the broadcasters are basically um, lovers of the, of the Yankees. So, yeah, you know what? So I listened to the radio broadcast of Joe Casiglione and I guess Sean McDonough. Yeah, and basically they were saying that this is the first time a Red Sox team has given up eight or more runs in consecutive games since the since the 1930 season. That is how bad this season has been. If we are breaking records that haven't been broken in over a hundred years, something is happening. Something wrong is happening. Something wrong is happening. Well, almost 100 years. Yeah, well, 90 this year. Yeah, 90 years this year, but close. Yeah, getting close to 100. Yeah, so not great. And we trotted out our uh, 13th or 12th pitcher on 16-9th, Chris Mazza, who is related to Joe DiMaggio's family. Yeah. Yeah. But he did not pitch really good. Um, this night, although we did not give up eight runs in this game, we did lose, but we did not give up eight runs. We gave up four as the Red Sox lose this game four to two, decrease their record to six and or six and 16. Yeah, Jay Happ got the win and Colton or uh, Zach. Yeah, hey, no, stop. I didn't ask you to play, <laughs> touching stuff on my phone. All right, so yeah, as I said. Four to two, Yankees won on Sunday Night Baseball. Yuck! That's the one national broadcast I do not like because a a rods on there, and I'm now starting to like not like Matt Matt Baskerger now. Yeah. Santa Maria. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right. Monday's game, a little bit better. We did not give up eight runs, but we still lost the game. Yeah. Boyd had two home runs, Luke Boyd of the Yankees. And the final score of this game was six to three. Martin Perez was not great in this one. A little bit better, but he could have done better, but and he got slapped with a loss. So Red Sox lost this one six to three to the Yankees. Now it decreases their record to six and seventeen. Then Wednesday or then Tuesday's game against the Phillies, they went back home and played the Phillies. And then, bit, bit better performance. They had a 4-1 to one lead in the sixth, in the fifth inning, or 4-2 to two lead in the fifth inning. Then we let our bullpen come in. 
in the sixth. Josh Taylor came in, and he basically just surrendered seven runs. And the losing streak goes 2-9 as the Phillies win this game 13-6. Yeah, so he gave up another eight straight runs. Not great. Or gave up another set of eight runs in the game. Not great. Yeah. All right, and then um, Wednesday's game, things got started getting a lot better. Um, it did. It didn't set or didn't look like in the beginning it was getting better in the first inning. As the Phillies took a two nothing lead in the first inning, but then uh, Kevin Pillar doubled in the third inning with two out, and then Rafael Devers came up big with a two run homer in right in the center field. A moonshot home run. And basically tied up the game. And then the Red Sox took the lead in the fourth inning with one run. In the fifth, they took a run. The Phillies did score a run and made it a little bit interesting in the seventh. But Matty Backpacks came in and sealed it up. And the Red Sox scored two more insurance runs. And that's where the nine-game skid ended with a 6-3 Red Sox victory. Play dirty water. Because we are at Fenway Park. <laughs> and that's where you play dirty water every time you play at every you play every time you win a game at Fenway Park. The home team wins. So that has our record to 7 and 18. Not good, but uh, a little bit good, but better, but should be better. So kind of the worst record in base. Worst record in the American League. Right. Then we go to Baltimore on Thursday. And what can I say? Evaldi was really good in this one. The Red Sox got off to a, or got to a Adrian Wojciechowski really quickly and basically made his night really bad. A pitcher who was really has been in the past really good against the Red Sox. But at the yeah, wasn't that the same dude in July that almost no hit the Red Sox? But thanks to Rafael Devers double in the seventh inning, that dude is denied a chance of a no hitter. But yeah, in the past he has been good against the Red Sox. But not in this night. And Evaldi pitched spectacular in this game. Yeah, very good. He had his stuff in this game. As the Red Sox end up winning this game 7-1, to one, they're on a two-game win streak. So as their record increases to 8-18. Eight and 18. And then last night's game, very good. Standard Brogarts had a home run. J.D. Hart had a home run. Odo Josh Ochich did come in the seventh inning, seventh and eighth inning, and basically almost gave it up and made it a little interesting at the end. But thanks to Matty Backpacks, who is now the new closer, and we'll get into a few minutes why he's the new closer. Um, came in, sealed the deal, and the Red Sox won their first straight win in a row. Darlinson Hernandez gets his first career win in first career major league win as he uh, gets the win in relief. As yeah, so the record is nine and eighteen. All right, and as I said, and oh yeah, today's game is going on right now. We are losing one nothing to the Orioles. Yeah, so Perez is on the mound. Perez Day, yay! But Section Ten kind of started. Yeah. All right. So anyway, back to why Matt Backpacks is now probably going to be the new closer is. I think it was yesterday. There were rumors starting to go around that Brandon Workman was being targeted by the Philadelphia Phillies as being 
a new addition to their uh, team. And it was kind of starting to get serious talks. I didn't know it was going to – yeah, I just thought for now this is just talks. Nothing's going to happen. So after I turned on the Red Sox game, after listening to the Celtics game last night, which we'll get into later on the show, um, we found out that the trade already happened. So, yeah, so the so here are the details. So the Phillies get um, Brandon Workman and Keith Henry, too. So they're both gone. And we get in return is Nick Pavetta and their 23rd uh, prospect in Connor Siebold. Hopefully we get to see those guys too, which I'm kind of mad they did not bring him up today. They decided to put him in alternative training for now. And they decided to bring off Jeffrey Springs and Ryan Stock. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe there is a purpose. Maybe they are trying to get them set and ready. I'm not really sure how, what Nick Pavetta has done this year or even what Connor Seabull has done this year. But it just seems really dumb that you just gave up two of your best relievers for the season, and you're not going to bring up the guys you traded for to give them up. Close my mind. Red Sox logic this year. Yeah. All right. All right. So here's the thing about this trade deadline. It's going to happen on August the 20th at uh, August the 31st, and it will end at 3 p.m. or whatever time zone you live in, probably 4 p.m., East Coast time, but it's looking like the Red Sox could be sellers this year. They could be sellers. Yeah, so they could be selling off everybody. Even the guys you thought were not um um non-like sell or untouchable, like Xander Bogarts or Rafael Devers. I kind of knew JD might be getting traded. I kind of knew J- JB Day would get traded too. Kevin Pillar, if they do trade him, I'm gonna be pissed. But they're thinking of trading him too. So we'll find out. Be ready for the next couple of days for some big trades to start happening in the in the next nine days or so. Yeah. yeah. Be ready for that. So and I and here's the thing about not or non-touchables. You're actually lying to these players to telling them that like they're not untouchable. Because yeah, we thought Mookie Best was untradeable. But guess what? We shipped him off to LA along with David Price. And now he's probably going to be a Dodger for the rest of his life after this contract he signed. Yeah. So to say someone is untouchable is really stupid. Yeah. I feel like now just look at the whole Mookie Best deal and now looking at how this season, how everybody's saying, or guys like Sam Kennedy and Heim Blue are saying that, yeah, no one's untouchable on this team. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's now a dead word now. I just feel like, yeah. So – and I really don't want to see someone like Xander Bogarts go or J.D. Martinez or Rafael Devers because I want to see those guys or Kevin Pillar, any of these guys, JBJ. But I don't know. I feel like this year has kind of been a bust to the point where, you know what? Yeah, let's tank. It's honestly just tank. Let's just get rid of everybody and build for the next championship, Title Five of this century or Title Ten of the franchise. Let's just do it. Get number 10. Overall, yeah. But it just sinks. Yeah. This is how 2020 has been so far. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So, we're kind of running out of time in this segment, but we'll take a break and then come back and talk about Patriots and other news, too. 
So don't go anywhere. All right, we are back. All right, talk about Patriots news. We're up next. All right. Okay, so Lawrence Guy got got an increase in raise. Yeah. Lawrence Guy, one of our defensive players, yeah. got a raise today. So he was making like two two hundred thousand. Now he's making seven hundred thousand now. So very good, good for him, good for Lawrence Guy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so pretty much news. Cam Newton's starting to really enjoy camp. He's really, I've been seeing some of the videos he's they have been posting of him. Like he's really enjoying camp. He really wants to be there. There are concerns about him and his uh, shoulder being concerned. For the future. But yeah, I meant. I mean, at this point, he's probably going to be the starting quarterback because someone like Cam Newton benching? No, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So the Patriots did sign or made or signed some people today. They signed a uh, tight end, Paul Quisenberry, defensive tackle, Xavier Williams. And they released tight end Alex Elias. And, oh, wow, they totally got rid of him, too. Defensive tackle Darius Kilgo. They just signed him. Oh, well, that sucks. Yeah. Jared Stidham might not be playing this year. Because he has been battling with a hip injury. So, yeah, he was not expected to practice today because of a... Uh, well, actually, yesterday because of a uh, discomfort in his hips. So, yeah. So basically, it could be Cam's job to lose. If that's the case, yeah, if that's the case. I mean, so yeah, because we were thinking. I mean, it hasn't really been Jared Stidham's year ever since they got Cam Newton. It just hasn't been his day. Yeah, a few absentees in practice. Um, Nikhil Harry missed practice. Um, Stephon Gilmore missed practice because of personal matter. Yeah. So a little bit, yeah, they are a little concerned about uh, Cam Newton's shoulder more than his foot. But, well, I mean, we'll see at this point. Yeah. We We might not even have a football season in the fall. They might Houston, like moving the spring. I don't know. It could just be college football, but I feel like the NFL is ready to go. I feel like they want to play, but I mean, who really knows? Uh, yeah. Right now, I mean, show is still going on, and it, opening day or opening week will be Sunday, September the 13th at 12 in Foxborough against the Miami Dolphins. So be ready for that. Miami Dolphins, suck Miami Dolphins, suck. They have since like the night, ever since the 1970s. They have not been good. They're awful. Yeah, Yeah, we got, I know I have a buddy that listens to this and he's a huge Dolphins fan, so he probably wouldn't like it. Anything else? No. Celtics news. All right, Celtics news. Boston Celtics news. Come on now. All right. So they did play some games, 
and they are in the postseason as of at or right now. They're in the first round, but we'll get into that late in a little bit. All right. So they played the Magic on Sunday and won that game, a very close game to an overtime game to overtime game, 122 to 119. So, yeah, basically, yeah, so Hayward hit three free throws with 229 left in overtime to basically take the lead. So, basically, he saved the game right there because of, uh, yeah. And we'll get into later, yeah, so they couldn't score in overtime until Hayward went off or and went to the line. So, basically, he didn't score. Let's see. So, they didn't score. Seven points, or, or ten points. I don't know, never mind. Ten points. Yeah. We want to score seven points, we would have lost the game. Right. Yeah. So basically, yeah. So Hayward was 12 of 18 shooting, or only five three-pointers. So he scored 31 points. So he was, like, base of the game, or uh, the game MVP. Nine rebounds. So very good. Jason Tatum had 29 points. Very good. Young star. Yeah, Jason, or Jalen Brown had 19 points. Awesome. So, yeah, so they basically, yeah, after this game, they did lock up the number three seed after Toronto's win over uh, Memphis on that Sunday. So, very good. So, start off 4-2 and two in the bubble. 4-2 and two in the bubble. All right, awesome. Then they played the Grizzlies, and this game was kind of important because it kind of would help them out by getting the lottery pick if they would have won this game. It would have helped them out a little bit. Yeah, a lot. And it did. They end up winning this game, 122 to 107 against the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Which would end up missing the postseason, which would, yeah, put the pick that we have got from them as a lottery pick. So awesome. Yeah. We would win this game. So five and two in the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Gordon Hayward and Kimball Walker combined for a, or each added 19 points. Celtics that, Assisted on 29 of their 42 baskets made. So, very good. Yeah. So, awesome. Very good. Yeah. Very good night. Yeah. yeah. So, basically, yeah, Jason Tatum had 17 points. Yeah. So, the score was tied in the first quarter, or first quarter with 13. And then the Celtics went off 33 to 11 run. And that was basically about it. Celtics held the... Grizzlies a 33% shooting in the half in the half. So yeah, good. Yeah, awesome. They did kind of make a little bit of a comeback at the end, but for the Grizzlies, it was to no avail. Celtics end up winning. So very good. Five and two. And then for the last game against the Wizards, uh they the Celtics sat out all their starters and played mostly their bench guys. And I think the Wizards uh, actually play, bench played a lot better than the Celtics bench. As the Celtics ended up losing this game, 96-99. But you know what? Who really cares? This is the last game of the season. And our playoff density, 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 destiny has already been decided. So just cruise to the postseason. Yeah. Which that this is what they did. Yeah. This game won't go too much into this. Yeah. They played out pretty much their starters. Yeah, so they already locked up a playoff spot. And they would play in the first round 
a division rival, and somewhat of an arch rival, the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, and game one, um, a little off shooting, but because of the 76ers' uh, turnovers, and they were uh, giving up a lot of turnovers to begin with, the Celtics were in it, um, or were still in it, but like still trailing by one. Then Tatum went off in the second quarter. And then I think in the last minutes of the third quarter, the Celtics went cold and 76ers took the lead back. Like a, I think it was like a 15 to nothing run, I believe. 15 to nothing run. Let's see. Yeah, 15 to nothing run to uh, take the lead, 85 to 81. But then the Celtics in the fourth quarter, led by Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown, basically led the Celtics all the way back. 16 to 5 run. A little interesting in the end, but in the end, the Celtics held on and they take game one from the 76ers. Um 109, 291. Tatum had a night. 31. Yeah, hold on. Yeah. 32 points. 32 points at the end of the night. A playoff high. Playoff career high in points and rebounding. So pretty good. Awesome. Good for Tatum. He is the future. So he is the future of the Celtics. Him and Jalen Brown. Yeah. Then game two on uh, Wednesday, Celtics uh, did get off to a 14 uh, or were trailing by 14 points. But when J- Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were back, or Jalen Brown were back on the court, look out, double O trouble. Because they came back and they basically wheeled the team to victory and a show lacking of the 76ers. The 76ers after the fourth, third, and fourth quarter were basically just giving up after this point. Yeah. As the Celtics ended up winning 128 to 101 and take game two. So take a 2 0 commanding lead in the series. Tatum had another night where he scored 32 points, a career or a career high. So awesome, very good. And t- Kemba Walker had a good night, 22 points. Jalen Brown had 20 points. So yeah, yeah, 52, 51% from the field. So awesome. Yeah. So very good, yeah. Oh, uh, we also forgot to mention too, in game one, yeah. Oh, well, we'll talk about that in, yeah. Yeah. Then game three last night, um, Kind of a little sloppy, a little sloppy on the point, a little ugly, wasn't great. Tatum and Jalen Brown uh, combined for a 12 for 35 shooting, which wasn't really great. But thankfully, because of uh, Kemba Walker, which is the reason why, oh, awesome, Jacob Bradley Jr. hit a home run, his first of the year. All right, 1-1 Red Sox, or 1-1 Red Sox and Orioles. All right, tied game. All right. So anyway, so... Because of uh, because of Kemba Walker and defensive effort by Marcus Smart, the Celtics were able to get back into this game, go on ten nothing run in the last few minutes of the game, and end up winning this game a hundred to two ninety four and lead the series three games to none, and are one win away from moving on in the playoffs and sweeping their. Eastern Conference rival, the 76ers, 
and sending them home early on a vacation. You have to get them out of the bubble quickly. <laughs> yeah, very good. So, yeah, so if the Celtics are going to move on in this postseason, they might have to deal with uh, Gordon Hayward for four more weeks or a month because he is now out with a sprain um, ankle. So it wasn't the ankle that he originally got injured back two years ago or two or three years ago, but you're still going to have to be worried about it too. Yeah, Those Celtics fans have been uh, kind of like uh, – because uh, they're kind of thinking, you know, Gordon Hayward's wife is expecting a baby. So, and this is going to be their first son. So, yeah, daddy's happy. You, got, you look up the video, what I mean, daddy is happy. You probably already know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of Celtics fans were coming up with a conspiracy theory, like maybe try to make her induce labor or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she got really mad about that. And she kind of went on a viral and basically, yeah. She, yeah. I mean, she wasn't mad or anything, but she was kind of like, hey, come on now. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. We'll show the video, but yeah. She, yeah. Like, she, they were saying, making this um, suggestion, like the Celtics organization wanted her to, like, induce labor, but yeah. All right. So, as I said, game four is tomorrow um yeah so yeah game four is tomorrow sunday afternoon at noon uh 12 p.m central time oh yeah and also draft pick wise so we did say the celtics did have the memphis pick because they did end up uh, not making the postseason and becoming a lottery team so we do have their 14th pick we had uh the lottery last Lottery Thursday night, and the Celtics were able to lock up the 14th pick. They weren't able to, uh, so which means they weren't able to uh, pick in or have a lottery, unprotected lottery pick next year. But you know what? Who really cares? Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so they get the pick, the 14th pick. So they have four picks. The 14th, 26th, 28th are meant to, hold on. I might be getting over myself. All right. Um, let's see. They have. Come on now. All right. They have. Okay. Where is it? I don't think we posted it. I don't think we did. All right, hold on, hold on. We we got it. All right, so here we are. So we get the 14, 26, 30th, and 47th pick. So good, awesome. Yeah. So get ready for game two. Get ready for a game. All right, so the Red Sox are up. Verdugo just doubled. Deep right, Peraza scores two to one Red Sox. Awesome. Yeah, very good. All right. So any anything else Celtics related? All right. Bruins news. So last time we talked was the 8th. 
and they were still playing their round robin tournament. They were still playing the round robin tournament, and they played the Capitals on that Sunday and lost the game two to one. So, which means they fall to become the four seed in the Eastern Conference. So, not great. Let's see score summary. So, uh, Ochi had a score for the Nash or for the Capitals, and then uh, Wilson had a goal. And the only uh, Bruins goal was a Jake DeBrus goal with like 10.30 left in the third quarter. Or 10.30 left. Or ten, almost like less time left in the third period. And that would be the end of the game, 2-1. to one. So they fall to the AC, which means it would play the Carolina Hurricanes in the first round of the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs. And game one was Wednesday. And the Red Sox... Well, actually, it should have been Tuesday, but the previous ge- the game in front of them, the Lightning and the Capitals, went to five overtimes. Or I think it was... Uh, yeah, the Capitals, yeah, went to five overtimes, which they would have to push their game back to 11 o'clock Wednesday afternoon or 11 o'clock Wednesday morning. Yeah, so grab yourself a coffee. But thankfully, the Bruins get take a game one uh, victory in two overtimes. Yeah, we're gonna make it harder for the next person in front of us to play. <laughs> yeah, four to three, game one victory over the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Emmonson of the Carolina Hurricanes got a goal, but then Pasternak got a goal. Then Coyle in the second. Uh, Quinn t- McQuinn t- McQuinn tied it up in the. Second for the Carolina Hurricanes. Then Krejci had a goal in the third period. Then Flurry had a goal in the third period to tie up 3-3. And that's where he was taking the double overtime. Nothing in the first overtime. And then with that much time to start off with in the second overtime, Bergeron banks at home. Bruins win 4-3 to at home to take game one. And then... On the next night, against the, on Thursday night, they played the Hurricanes for game two, but then lost that game for three to two. Series tied uh, three or uh, tied one one. Krejci had a goal in the first period. Then some, uh, then and then some uh, Hurricanes goals in the second period to make it two to one. Carolina Marchand tied it up in the second period. 2-2, but then former Bruin Dougie Hamilton took the go-ahead goal 3-2, and that's where the score would stay 3-2, Hurricanes won. And then Saturday's game, they played game three, and the Bruins ended up winning this game without uh, Tuka Rask, and we'll get into later why he wasn't there. And Coyle had a goal in the first, second period. Then Sean Corrali, uh, Needham Miner got a goal for the Carolina Hurricanes and make it a one-goal game. But in the end, an empty netter from Brad Marchand basically sealed the deal. And the Bruins took a two-games-to-one lead over the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. 
So, yeah, Halak has 29 saves for this game. So, he's now the new goalie, at least for this postseason. And then game four, the Bruins got off to a not-too-great start in the first and second period. Yeah. So, not great. Yeah, Williams got a goal for the Carolina Hurt, or the, the Hurricanes got two goals, as I said. Then that's where the comeback really started. Yeah. Jake DeBrus got a goal. Clay, or Connor Clifton had a goal. Brad Marchand and Jake DeBrusque. Uh, they did, uh, Tina or Tara Vinen did get a goal for the Hurricanes. They're kind of even the score, kind of uh, make it a one goal game, but that would be about it. Bruins win four to three. And they take a 3 1 game or series lead and are one game away from moving on to the semifinals. Then, which would happen on Wednesday. Uh, as I said, the Hurricanes got off to a one-goal one lead in the first period. But then Krejci and Bergeron scored two goals in the second period. To, and that's where the final score would stand. And the Bruins are moving on in the Eastern Conference playoffs. A two-to-one victory over the Carolina Hurricane. See you guys. Don't want to be you. As the Bruins move on, and they will take on the Tampa Bay Lightning starting tomorrow for Game One at 7 p.m. or whatever time zone you live in. Right. So Tuka Rask has a bet. Yeah. So he decided to opt out of the season. He did say that he thought that this whole season was silly and stuff like that. And that's why I left. But it was also too that like something wrong was with with his daughter back in Finland, and he had to hurry back. But then found out that nothing was really wrong with her, or like it wasn't really serious. Like she ended up being okay. But people were wondering, is, she, is he going to come back? Like yeah. And also, uh, Pasternak was kind of out in like a couple of games too this year. So it was kind of a little bit worrisome that. It was kind of a little bit surprised that we actually got out of the series, especially winning this thing uh, four games to one. So, yeah. We don't know. But for now, Halak is going to be the goalie for this uh, postseason. We'll see what he can do against Tampa Bay. Yeah, they've been getting into a lot of fights in these uh, the games that they fight. There's really some heat between those guys. Yeah. Well, both teams want to be top of the Eastern Conference, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting in the series to kind of see how it all plays out. Yeah, we might be seeing a lot of uh, brawls in this series. Yeah. All right. All right, so we will take a break, come back and talk about nerding football and the rest of sports and talk about what I've been watching lately and kind of start talking about some sad news that kind of relates to the show too. So don't go anywhere. All right, we are back. All right. So, so Nerdane football news, as we're talking about as we left off. So, you know, I kind of did say that there were no positive tests for Nerdane football players. Well, they did cancel practice uh, this week. I think it's because of remote learning or something like that, or something like they had to get ready for classes, but also. One of the other reasons is they found out they, uh, that a few of their players, five, six or five players, tested positive for COVID. So, yeah. 
not getting out to a great start for Notre Dame football this year. And they have uh, decided to join the ACC, so their schedule has been released. Let's see. We talked about that lately. We'll kind of go over the – let's see. Okay, so we did go over the last episode. Okay. So, yeah. Not kind of looking good. And some of their uh, opponents, too, they're, like, they're having trouble with some of the COVID testing and stuff like that. Like, some of the people, like, I think Florida State had – through their players came out and said, like, the system that they were having was lying to them. Like, they were saying, like, not coming back with great testing, stuff like that. So, who knows? It could be a mess. And as I said, we might not have a season this year. Yeah. Might not be great. Oh, yeah, did we forget to mention that Ben Tenney's now on the I.L.? Yeah, it's going to be, yeah. Yeah, he hit, uh, he, uh, oh, wait, no. Yeah, so, yeah, he, uh, hurt his spine or something like that, or, like, uh, fell funny on his back or on his, uh, rib cage, which, yeah, not great, so he'll be out for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, we're talking about Red Sox baseball over Nerd Dame. Football, but I forgot to mention it too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So let's just hope and pray that we can make it and see some Notre Dame football on September the twelfth at uh Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, they did sign some recruits. Uh, one guy uh, they recruited was a uh, offensive tackle, uh, Rocco Splinter. Yeah, he commits to Notre Dame. A very good offensive guard. Good, very good. So we got him locked up. Oh, I forgot to mention the Patriots did sign uh um Michael Jackson. Yeah. Or traded for Michael da- Jackson, who played for the Lions, yeah, a cornerback. So we did sign the so we did sign the King of Pop. <laughs> and we gave up a twenty two or twenty twenty uh draft pick. Jackson. Look up South Park and you know what I'm talking about. And they did sign a, a running back of Lamar Miller. So we forgot to mention some stuff for Patriots football. What am I doing? Yeah. So, yeah, what am I doing? Yeah, we've kind of been gone a little bit, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. So hopefully we make it to, as I said, going back to Notre Dame football, I hope we can make it to um, September the 12th. And that's against Duke at Notre Dame. Ain't our Notre Dame football news to go to? Um, Nope. So let's move on. All right. All right. So Celtic football. So last time I checked, or last time we checked, they were play. They played um, against Hamilton and won that game convincingly, five to one blowout. Then they played Kilmarock on uh, Sunday, um, August the 9th, and it ended up in a one-one tie for Celtic. For Celtic, let's see. Go over the box scores. Match. August the 9th. So, yeah, let's see. Summary. So, basically, 
uh, Christie had a goal, the one nothing goal, but then Kamark scored a goal, and that's basically where the end game ended up a one 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 draw. But yeah, yeah, one one draw, and then let's see went Tuesday's games. What actually, you know, Wednesday's games got postponed. Not really sure what against uh, St. Marin. So that ended up in a postponed, so no score there. Then Saturday against uh, Aberdeen got postponed. And then they played on Tuesday against uh, a sw- against the uh, Norwegian team, uh, River Harak. And they won that game 6 nothing. Okay, then now we're giving us a summary. Now we're giving us a summary. All right, so though they scored six goals, yeah. Okay. Well, and that was because it was like European uh, Champions League uh, court or a uh, round uh, game. So, so yeah, so pretty good. So six nothing, awesome. Yeah, and then they played today. Not a lot going on up until the end, but then Celtic scored at the end with like almost like. Literally, uh, eighty-three minute or uh, like with the at the eighty eighty-third minute mark, uh, and jo- or J- Yeti got his first goal of the game or first goal of a Celtics career, uh, and that's where the score was set against Dundee United, one n- one nil, Celtic win, so awesome, very good. And they do not play another game until. Yeah, I could be wrong there. I mean, they could play against like another Champions League opponent. On Wednesday at thirteen hundred hours against. Oh yeah, it is a Champions League game against uh for 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 or something like that. Yeah. All right. Okay. So yeah, so it's European Champions League. Okay. All right. So that's about it for Celtic football. No Gonzaga news. No Red State uh, baseball news. No Boston College hockey news. So. So yeah. So basically, what I've been watching lately, I did watch an episode of Das Boot. Um, that's about it because my TV in my uh, living room broke. Yeah, it was acting weird. Like, you know, I just decided to kaput. Yeah, so we only watched one episode of... Uh, so we watched the second episode of season one of Das Boot. Kind of got a little interesting. They're now out of sea, but they really aren't really doing anything. They haven't really uh, attacked any uh, shipping. Still talks about a little more of the resistance movement in... France in that French village and talks about how, yeah, like a, one of the U-boat um, crew members or one of the U-boat crew was actually deserting who's related to the actress of the main uh, female character in the show, like their brother and sister. Like she kind of finds out that like he actually deserts from the resistance or gets information from the resistance movement that he's actually deserting and like they're trying to help him out, try to um, resist. And then he finds out, or they tell her like if they find out that he was trying to desert, 
and they might try to dump them overboard like that. So like basically, hey, help us out or yeah, basically, yeah. yeah blackmailing her, joining. Yeah, so that's about it. So, so we do have a book league uh, standings to report and a book report to go over. So we pre-record those, so we will go to break and uh, then come back and then wrap up the show. And then talk about something that really, yeah, so, some sad news to talk about too. So don't go anywhere. All right, so welcome to another edition of the book league standings. All right, here we go. So the... So this is it for uh, this season. At number one, with a 51% finish, Warsaw 1920, Lenin's Failed Conquest of Europe by Amazon Alinsky. At number two, with 46% finish, the Boston Red Sox Killer Bees, baseball's best outfield by Jim Prime and Bill Nolan. At number three, with 44% finish, If These Walls Can Talk, stories from the Boston Red Sox, Red Sox Dugout, Locker Room, and Pretz Box by Jerry Remy and Nick Carfoto. At number four with 43% finish, The Search for God in Guinness, a biography of the beer that changed the world by Stephen Mansfield. At number five with 41% finish, The Real Pinky Blinders, Billy Kimber, The Birmingham Gang, and The Racecourse Wars of the 1920s by Carl Chin. At number six with 39% finish, The Great Book of Boston Sports List by Andy Gersh, and Mike Con- and Michael Conley. Number seven with 38% finish. The Closer by My Story by Mariano Rivera and Wayne Coffey. And number eight with 37% finish. From Darkness to Dynasty, the first 40 years of the New England Patriots by uh, Jerry Fortin. <sighs> and number nine with uh, 35% finish. Uh, Kashmir Pulaski, The Life and Legacy of the Polish Commander Who Became the Father of the American Cavalry During, at, during the Revolutionary War by Charles Rivers Editors. All right, number 10 with 35% finish. Uh, Tales from the New England Patriots Sidelines, a collection of the greatest book Patriot stories ever told by uh, Mike Felger. And number 11 with 33% finish. Uh, Band of Giants, The Amateur Soldiers Who Won America's Independence by Jack Kelly. At number, at number 12 with 33% finish, The Gipper, George Gipp, Newt Rockney, and Dramatic Rise of Notre Dame Football by Jack Cavanaugh. At number 13 with 31% finish, Homegrown, How the Red Sox Build a Champion from the Ground Up by Alex Spear. At number 14 with 29% finish, The Good, The Bad, and The Grace of God what Honesty and Pain Have Taught Us About Faith, Family, and Forgiveness by Jeff, right, Jeff and uh, Jessica Robertson. Robertson. All right, number 15 with 28% finish. Black Mass, Whitey Bulger, the, FB- <sighs> the FBI and the Devil's Deal by Dick Lear and Gerard O'Neill. At number 16 with 28% finish. Collision of Empires, The War on the Eastern Front in 1914 by Prit Butter. At number 17, with 26% finish, The Road to Omaha, Hits, Hopes, and the History of the College World Series by Ryan McGee. At number 18, with 26% finish, Unbeatable, Notre Dame's 1988 Championship and the Last Great College Football Season by uh, Jerry Barca. At number 19, with 25% finish, 
1916, A Global History by Keith Jeffrey. And number 20 with 25% finish, The Vanquished, Why the First World War Failed by Robert Gerarf. And number 24 with the, or number 21 with 24% finish, A Season for the Ages, How the 2016 Chicago Cubs Brought a World Series Championship to the North Side by Al Yellow. And number 22 with 24% finish, General Fox Connor, Pershing's Chief of Operations and Eisenhower's Mentor by Stephen Rappelis. And number 23 with 24% finish, No Better Place to Die by Robert Murphy. And number 24 with a 23% finish, Alvin York, A New Biography of the Hero of the Argonne by uh, Douglas V. Mastriano. And number 25 with 23% finish, 50 Best College Football Teams of All Time by Bill Conley. And number 26 with 23% finish, The Irish Civil War, Law, Execution, and Atrocity by Sean Antright. And number 27 with a 23% finish, uh, James Conley, 16 Lies by Lorican uh, Collins. And number 28 with 22% finish, a Brave Black Regiment, the history of the 54th Regiment of Massachusetts Volunteer Infantry from 1863 to 1865 by Captain Louise F. Emilio. And number 29 with 22% finish, Conform, Exposing the Truths of Common Core and Public Education by uh, Glenn Beck. And number 30 with 22% finish, Death of a Nation, Plantation Politics and the Making of the Democratic Party by Mr. Souza. And number 33 with 21% finish, African Kaiser General Paul von Leto Volbeck and the Great War in Africa from 1914 to 1918 by uh, Robert Gowdy, 21% finish. And number, and number 32 with 21% finish, Fierce, How Competing for Myself Changed Everything by Allie Raisman. And number 33 with 21% finish, they shall not pass the French army on, on the Western Front in 19, from 1914 to 1918 by Ian Sumner. And number 34 with 20% finish, Relentless, a memoir by Julian Edelman. And number 35 with 18 or 19% finish, The Allies, Roosevelt, Churchill, Stalin, and the likely alliance that won World War II by Winston Grome. And number 36 with 19% finish, The Arm. Inside the Billion Dollar Mystery of the Most Valuable Commodity in Sports by Jeff Passan. And number 33 with 19% finish, 59 and 84, Old Hoss Rapper and Barehanded Baseball and the Greatest Season a Pitcher Ever Had by Edward Ackhorn. And number 38 with 18% finish, Gallipoli by Alan Moorhead. And uh, number 39 with 17% finish, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. At number 40 with 17% finish, uh, Boston's 100 Greatest Gamers, ranking the most clutch athletes in Boston sports history by uh, Rob Sneeden. At number 41 with 17% finish, 100 Fame Spurs fans should know and do before they die by Mark Monroe. At number 42 with 18 or 16% finish, a mad catastrophe, the outbreak of World War I and the collapse of the Habsburg Empire by D Jeffrey Warrow. And number 43 with 16% finish, Dead Wake, The Last Crossing of the Lusitania by Eric Larson. And number 44 with 16% finish, 
The Kid, The Immortal Life of Ted Williams by, Bre- by Ben Bradley Jr. At number 45 with 16% finish, The Last of the Czars, Nicholas II and the Russia Revolution by Robert Service. At number 46 with 16% finish, 1914, The War Years by James Farner. At number 47 with 16% finish, The Ultimate Boston Red Sox Time Machine Book by Martin Glitman. At numbers 48 or number 48 with 15% finish, Wherever the Green is Worn, the Story of the Irish Diaspora by uh, Tim Pack by Tim Pack Hogan. The Spara, yeah, the Spara. All right, number 40 and number 49 with 15% finish, Irish Boston, a lively look at Bob. <sighs> At Boston's uh, Colorful Irish Pass by Michael Quinlan or Michael Quinlan, Michael Quinlan. And number fifty with the and number fifteen with fourteen percent finish, the Kaiser's Army, the German Army in World War One by uh, Ben Stone. And number fifty-one with thirteen percent finish, the w- White War: Life and Death on the Italian Front from nineteen fifteen to nineteen nineteen by Mark Thompson. And number 52 with 12% finish, Belichick, the making of the greatest football coach by uh, D- Ian O'Connor. And number 53 with the uh, 12% finish, The Green and the Gray, The Irish in, in the Confederate States of America by David T. Gleason. And number 48 and uh, number 54 with the uh, 12 or 12% finish, The Guns of August, The Outbreak of World The Outbreak of World War One by uh, Barbara W. Tuckman. And number 55 with a 12% finish, The Leaves of Virginia, Seven Generations of an American Family by Paul C. Nigel. Number 56 with a 12% finish, Revolutionary Russia, 1891 to 1991, A History by Orlando Figgis. And number 57 with 12% finish, The Song by Robin Pryor and Trevor Wilson. At number 58 with 11% finish, Don't Put Me In, Coach, My Incredible NCAA Journey from the End of the Bench to the End of the Bench by Mark Titus. At number 59 with 10% finish, A History of the Boston Braves, A Time Gone By by uh, William J. Craig. At number 60 with the 10% finish, A World on Fire, Britain's Crucial Role in the American Civil War by Amanda Foreman. At number 61 with 10% finish, the Boston Celtics, Larry Bird, Bob Cousy, Red Arback, and other legends recall great moments in Celtics history by Michael D. McClellan and Folks John. All right. At number 62 with 10% finish, uh, Last Man Standing, the memoirs, letters, and photographs of a teenage officer by Richard Van Inden. At number 63 with 10% finish, War in the East, uh, Military History of the Russo-Turkish War of 1877 and 78 by Quentin Berry. And number 64 with 9% finish, Conquest of Illinois, 1778 to 1779 by George Rogers Clark. And number 65 with 9% finish, How the Irish Saved Civilization by Thomas Cahill. All right, and number fifty or number sixty-six with nine percent finish. Normandy forty-four, D-Day and the epic seventy-seven-day battle for France by James Holland. 
at number 67 with 9% finish, The Second World War by Anthony Beaver. At number 68 with 9% finish, When the Irish Invaded Canada, The Incredible True Story of the Civil War Veterans Who Fought for Ireland's Freedom by Christopher Klein. At number 69 with 8% finish, A Frozen History of, or meant A Frozen Hell by uh, William R. Trotter. All right, number 70 with 8% finish, uh, The Boys of Winter, The Untold Story of a Coach, a Dream, and the 1980 U.S. Olympic Hockey Team by uh, Wayne Coffey. At number 77 with 8% finish, Decision at Antietam, A Counterfactual History of the Civil War by Andrew J. Heller. At number 72 with 8% finish, No Victory in Valhalla's, the untold story of the 3rd Battalion of the 506 Parachute Infantry Regiment from Bastogne to Burgess Garden by Ian, o by Ian Gardner and Ed Shames. At number 73 with 8% finish, now taking the field, baseball's all-time dream teams from, for all 30 franchises by Tom Stone. At number 74 with 8% finish, Stouts Hots, the British and Canadians in Normandy 1944 by uh, Ben Kitt. By Ben Kitt. At number 77 with 8% finish, Tales from the Green Bay Packers, uh, a collection of the greatest Packers stories ever told by Chuck Carlson. At number 77 with 7% finish, Brutal Valor, The Tragedy at Insawana by James Mace. At number uh, 77 or number 77 with 7% finish, The Rise and Fall of the British Empire by J Lawrence James. At number 78 with 7% finish, uh, Unfinished Business, The Politics of or Dissident Irish Republicanism by Marissa McClinchy. At number 77 with 7% uh, finish, the, World, the War of 1812, A Forgotten Conflict by uh, Donald R. Hickey. At number 80 with 7% uh, finish, The Years of Endurance, 1793-1802 to by Arthur Bryant. At number 80, 81 with 6% finish, The Men Who Lost America, British Leadership, The American Revolution, and The Fate of the Empire by Andrew Jackson O'Shaughnessy. At number 82 with 6% finish, Michael Jordan, The Life by Roland Lansenby. At number 83 with 6% finish, Miracle at Fenway, The Inside Story of the Boston Red Sox 2004 Championship Season by Saul Zwolinski. Or was Zena? Was Zena, yeah. At number 84 with 6% finish, 100 Fangs Sharks fans should know and do before they die by Ross McCune. At number 87 with 6% finish, 100 Fangs Wisconsin fans should know and do before they die by Jeffrey Temple or Jesse Temple and Barry Alvarez. At number 86 with 6% finish, Showboat, the life, and, the life of Kobe Bryant by uh, Ron Lansenby. At number 87 with 5% finish, Celtic, The Official History by uh, Brian Wilson. And number 88 with 5% finish, The Grim Reaper, The Life and Career of a Reluctant Warrior <laughs> by uh, Stu Grimson and uh, Kevin Allen. And number 89 with 5% finish, Guerrilla Days in Ireland, Tom Berry's uh, Autobiography by Tom Berry. At number 90 with 5% finish, If These Walls Can Talk, Stories from the Boston Bruins Ice, Locker Room, and Press Box by Dale Arnold and uh, Matt Coleman. 
at number 91 with 5% finish, The Office, the untold story of the greatest sitcom of the 20, an or the greatest sitcom of the 2000s, an oral history by uh, Andy Green. And number 92 with 5% finish, Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the L- Los Angeles Lakers dynasty of the 1980s by uh, Jeff Perlman. And number 93 with 4% finish, Bunker Hill, A City, A Siege, A, Re- a Revolution by um, Nathaniel Pilbrook. And number 94 with 4% finish, Celtic Football, How the League Was Won 49 Times by uh, David Potter. By David Potter. At number 95 with 4% finish, Day of Infamy, The Bombing of Pearl Harbor by Walter Lord. At number 96 with 4% finish, The Defense of Sevastopol, uh, 1941 to 1942, A Soviet Perspective by Clayton Donnell. At number 97 with 4% finish, Dream Team, How Magic or Michael Magic, Larry, Charles, and the greatest basketball team of all time conquer the world and change the game of basketball forever. By Jack McCollum. All right, number uh, number ninety-eight with four percent finish. The Fall Berlin, nineteen forty-five, by Anthony by Anthony Bieber. Right. And number ninety-nine with four percent finish. The Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien. At number 100 with 4% finish, Gettysburg by uh, Stephen W. Sears. At number 101 with 4% finish, Jack Parker's Wise Guys by Tim Rapoli. At number 102 with 4% finish, Loose Balls by Jerry Pluto. At number 103 with the 4% finish, The Original Curse. Did the Cubs throw the 1918 World Series to Babe Ruth's Red Sox? And ignited the Chicago or the Black Sox scandal by Sean Devaney. At number 104 with 4% finish, Scribe My Life in Sports by Bob Ryan. At 105 with 4% finish, Take Me, Take Me to Your Paradise, a history of Celtic-related incidents or incidents and events by Liam Kelly. At number 106 with 3% finish, A Higher Call, an incredible true story. A credible true story of combat and chivalry in war towards skies of, of World War II by and by Adam Macon or Makos and Larry Alexander. And number 107 with 3% finish, A Patriot's History of the United States from Columbus to America's Age of Entitlement by Larry Shorkart. Shorkart. And number 108 with 3% finish, Aces Falling. War Above the Trenches in 1918 by Peter Hart. At number 109 with 3% finish, An an Officer in the Iron Brigade by Rufus Rufus R. Dawes. At number 110 with 3% finish, Basketball, A Love Story by Jackie McMullen. At number 111 with 3% finish, Grant and Sherman, The Friendship That Won the Civil War by uh, Charles Braislin, Flood. At number 112 with 3% finish, Jutland 1916, Death in the Great Waste by, a Nigel, Steel, by Nigel Steel and Peter Hart. At 113 with 3% finish, Primetime Propaganda, The True Hollywood Story of How the Left Took Over Your Television by Ben Shapiro. At number 114 with 3% finish, The Reagan Diaries by Ronald Reagan. 
at 115 with the 3% finish, the Romanoffs, 100 or 19 or 16 13 to a 1918 by Simon C. Bag Montefer. At number 116 with 3% finish, Ty Cobb, A Terrible Beauty by Charles Learson. At number 117 with 2% finish, the, A History of the Ottoman Empire by Douglas A. Howard. At 118 with 2% finish, American Ulysses, The Life of Ulysses S. Grant by, a Roland, by Roland, or Roland, or Ronald C. White Jr. At number 119 with 2% finish, 521, The History of Ted Williams' Home Runs by Bill Nolan. At 120 with 2% finish, From Colony the Superpower, U.S. Foreign Relations Since 1776 by uh, George C. Herring. At 121 with a 2% finish, uh, John Adams by uh, David McCullough. At 122, William Tecumseh Sherman in the service of my country, a life by a, a life by a James Lee McDonough. At 123 with 2% finish, Willie Wallace, a heart of a lion by Willie Wallace, Jim McGinley, uh, Archie McPherson, or Archie McPherson, uh, Michael Nolan, Rod Stewart, and Paul Brennan. At 124 with 1% finish, uh, Grant by uh, Ron Chernow. And 125 with 1% finish. And in last pay, place, uh, Tower of Skulls, A History of the Asia-Pacific War from July 1937 to May 1942 by Richard B. Frank. All right, that's it for the standings. So your book league standings champion for this season is... Warsaw 1920, Lenin Field, Conquest of, of Europe by Amazon Linsky, but 51% finish. All right. Stay tuned. We'll talk about uh, the report starting next. All right. We are back. All right. So talk about this book. Um, so the book we just finished is uh, called Warsaw 1920, Lenin's Field, Conquest. Conquest of Europe, by, and it was written by Anne Zolinsky. The book talks about uh, Poland's long history of occupation by Russia, Germany, and Austria, well, at the time, Austria-Hungary, but particularly Russia. Talks a little bit about the Russia Revolution, how that started, how that started the whole Soviet Union, the establishment of, the Pol of uh, Poland as a country with the signing of the 1918 uh, armistice that ended World War I, uh, and the rise of Joseph uh, Polzutski, uh, Poland's uh, George Washington, as you say. And then tensions starting between uh, Lenin's Soviet Union and Polzutski's uh, Poland. And declaration of war in February the 14th, 1919. Then battles and skirmishes happening in uh, Belarus and... Belarus and uh, the Balkan countries in 1919, then the Soviet offensive, which almost reached the outskirts of Warsaw and could have been the end of Poland as it was. But then uh, the miracle on the Vis on the Vistula, uh, which is a uh, which the which this uh, week was the 100th anniversary of that happening. Those battles where 
the Polish army basically uh, counterattack and start their own offensive and push the Soviets all the way back to the starting point of the offensive earlier in the year. And then uh, Polish for, or uh, yeah, basically led by Pozuski himself. Yeah. And then basically the last cavalry battles and a truce that saved the Soviet Union. It almost looked like the Soviet Union would actually fall apart too, just like the same fate as Warsaw. But thankfully, for, or for the truce for them, thankfully, um, they were able to us hold off. I'm not saying that I was thankful for that, but I was just saying for their perspective, yeah, I was thankful that they basically, yeah. And basically kind of the aftermath of the war and stuff like that, kind of like reoccupation by the Soviets during uh, the Cold War era and stuff like that. And then, yeah, them re becoming back a country again. All right. Yeah, so I thought it was an excellent book. I really did thought it was an excellent book. Um, it's amazing how a few of these players in this uh, conflict were general or play would play major roles in World War II, like uh, Warsaw, the Sikorsky of the Polish, Charles de Gaulle for the French, but he was fighting with the Polish. Stalin was a uh, commander in uh, Yorgi Sukhov uh, for the Soviet Union. Yeah, so they all played roles, right? It also goes in the mention, too, that, like, after this war, Stalin won the revenge so bad of uh, Poland. Yeah. And, like, he kind of did get revenge. Like, um, I think in 1949, when uh, the Soviets were still allies to the Germans, uh, they invaded uh, Poland in 1949 during the invasion, or at least the eastern part, and basically took that part or annexed that part of the so for the Soviet Union. Well... Uh, which was part of the pack of the non-aggression pack, they would uh, sign like, so Germany would get the Western half and then the Soviet Union would get the Eastern half of Poland. Yeah. And then, yeah, Ben, and then after like 1945, as part of the Yalta conference, Stalin would like liberate, well, conquer uh, all of Poland and bring it into the Soviet Union. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so he kind of did get a little bit of revenge. He did kind of get a real little bit of revenge but then after the soviet union collapsed they poland became a country again yeah so yeah it also talks about too how like a lot of these uh some of these generals who were in the polish army were uh sadly uh massacred during the Katyn forest massacre of uh 1939 so yeah go look that up yeah because it was like it was where um a lot of these uh, Polish officers and soldiers were rounded up, taken to a forest in 1939, and then basically bang, bang, bang. Yeah, they were all massacred. Yeah. And their bodies weren't discovered until the Germans uh, in 1949, when they conquered all Poland, uh, basically uh, discovered this uh, grave site, and basically, yeah, we're asking, it was probably the Soviets, yeah. But a lot of Soviet generals who were... Uh, part of that war too were murdered or executed by Stalin during the whole uh, purge of the 1930s uh, with the army generals and stuff like that. Like he, Stalin did not trust anybody. He was so paranoid. He thought everybody was going to try to take him out. So that's why he, yeah, he got a lot of the generals because that's who he fought that would uprise against them. Yeah. 
which, by the way, would cost him early in 1941 during the invasion, German invasion of Russia, because he didn't have any generals. He basically killed all his best generals. Because, yeah, the guy was just nuts. Yeah. All right, so as I said, this is a great book. I recommend it to anyone who is interested of this uh, time in our history, especially since it's now 100 years or 100 years since, yeah, it was last fought. So it's pretty neat. All right, so that's it. Um, my prediction for uh, next season, I really feel like the our next book uh, report would possibly be um, – the Boston Red Sox Killer Bees, Baseball's Best Outfield by Jim Prime and Bill Nolan. I feel like that would be the winner of uh, for next season. But yeah, we'll find out. All right. So we'll take a break and then come back and then wrap up the show. So don't go anywhere. All right. So we're back. So I hope you enjoyed that. You know, I hope you kind of enjoyed that uh, book league standing and stuff like that. We forgot to mention Chelsea football. Yeah, we forgot to mention it. So anyway, so Chelsea football and the English Premier League have now got their new fixtures for the 2020-21 season. All right. So first off, on September the 14th, Chelsea will face off against uh, Brighton to start off English Premier League. So, so yeah, so the start of the season is coming up pretty soon. Yeah, pretty good. Awesome. Very good. So, yeah, they kind of released their uh, home and away kits and stuff like that, or away kits. Kits, yeah. And a lot of people were actually angry. Like, they kind of actually do not look yellow whatsoever, or you look blue whatsoever. Let's see. Find it. Yeah, they do not look blue, blue whatsoever. Well, somewhat blue. I mean, light blue. Yeah, they really look. Yeah, they do not look like, yeah. At least the way kits. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. So, the wrap of the show, we got to do something very sad. It seems that the longtime pub, um, McGreedy's, or at least that establishment that's been around since 2008, is deciding to close um, permanently because of what's going on with the landlord and stuff like that. Uh, Dropkick Murphy said something about it, like they love working business and stuff like that, and like try to help out like them, stuff like that. And the reason why it has a connection with this show and why we decided to call the show the Roarders because the owner or the guy that they named the pub or the bar after McGreevy, Nuff said McGreevy, was the leader of basically the founding fathers of Red Sox Nation called the Royal Rooters, which were, as I said, were made up of working class Irish American who lived in South Boston in the 1900s. And basically, and the bar was basically the original establishment of the franchise was originally called the Fur Bay Saloon, which uh, McGreedy, enough said McGreedy, we'll get into what his nickname is later, but he, the reason why he called it the Fur Bay Saloon was because he wanted 
baseball fans or people that go to his uh, establishment to have a drink home or have a drink before making the return for home. A little baseball terminology. So yeah, the reason he got his nickname Nuff said McGreedy, who was basically the son of Irish immigrants, um, is because he would try to end a bit or a sporting argument or a sports argument in his bar main baseball by saying enough said. Like enough said, enough said McGreedy. So yeah, he was kind of like the super, the first real super Red Sox fan. Yeah. And also, too, a notable person who ended up being a member of the Royal Rooters, whose grandson would actually become president of the United States. I'll give you a hint. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Yes, JFK. That was actually his maternal grandfather, John Honeyfit Simmons, who was mayor of Boston at the time, was a member of the Royal Rooters and a huge Red Sox fan. Yeah. He was also Irish, too. So, yeah, he's basically 100% Irish. Yeah. GFK, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, it's really sad that that's far as uh, going down. And a personal experience for me is because four years ago in July, I went to dinner there and ate dinner there one night when I was in Boston. Ate dinner there and had a pint of Guinness while I was there. And I just couldn't see how they could really tear that down. In fact, I mean, they do have a museum down in their basement of, like, basically the whole history of the Royal Rivers. And I really don't see how that would happen. I mean, they could donate that stuff to, like, historical society, like, in Boston. Like, maybe the New England Sporting Museum. I'm not really sure how they could do it. They were kind of hinting, too, that... They could possibly reopen again in another location, but for now, the location at 911 Boylston Street will be shutting down permanently because of what's going on with COVID and how they're kind of are running behind on their uh, payments to the landlord. And the landlord's not really kind of seeing common ground in the area. I thought it was, we were going to make a trip back to Boston this year, permitting, and maybe make a stop in McGreed, but that's not going to happen now. That really was not happen. Yeah, make a little trip. If we go to a Red Sox game, make a little trip there. Just like the old, just like the Royal Rooters back then. Have a drink before going to the game. <laughs> yeah. So we decided for the end of the episode, we're going to play a song that we already played and was the original of intro music to the actual uh, original or Ro- 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 Rooters podcast before we decided to go all Boston sports, excuse me, and Notre Dame football. Uh, Tessie by Dropkick Murphys. Kind of just to uh, give a salute and a slancha to um, McGreedy's. So, yeah. Very shame. This is another reason why 2020 sucks so much. Worst year in my life and worst year in everybody's life. Yeah. Worst year ever. <laughs> if that belongs to a award. Yeah. All right. Anything else? All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for giving this opportunity to share and keep doing what I love. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple iTunes. Give us a five-star review if you can. 
Follow the show on Twitter at Socks or at uh, at a uh, at Podcast Royal, and then follow my personal Twitter page at Junkyard Dog underscore ninety two. I have those in the details of the episode, and then follow the show on Instagram at Roy nineteen ninety two. We'll have those in the details of the episode, and then follow the Reddit page at well, let's see, at junk at you slash under or at at you slash junkyard dog underscore 92 and then follow the show on Spotify, Apple, Google. Hold on. Crap. You ever been ready for this? <sighs> All right. <clears throat> At Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from, doesn't matter to us. And with that being said, I feel like that about do it. See you guys. Oh god. Crap. We didn't have it on here. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, well, yeah, so it is kind of a shame. Actually, while we wait while I try to uh get this ready, um I'm thinking like for title episodes for now on. I one of the books as I meant uh, as I mentioned in the book league standings I'm reading is a book about the greatest uh, Boston sports list. And at the last list that they do in the um that they do at the end of the book is a book about the all time uh, greatest athletes in Boston sports history. So I'm kind of thinking. Let's uh, name them after uh, famous athletes in Boston sports, in uh, Notre Dame football, Celtic football, Chelsea, Gonzaga, Wright State, and Boston College hockey. Kind of just end, end the episode by naming or name the episode after a famous athlete of those sports that I just mentioned. I feel like we can do that. Yeah. Right, Dropkick Murphy. Let's see. Right. And with that being said, I feel like that about do it. All right, see you guys. Banyana. And the Boston Red Sox are the world champions for the first time in 86 years. The Red Sox have won baseball world championship. Can you believe it? Tessie is the royal rooters rally cry. Tessie is the tune they always sung. Tessie echoed April through October night. After serenade and start the name in young. Tessie is a maiden with a sparkling eye. And sometimes when the game is on the line, Tessie always carried them away. Up the road from third base to Huntington, the boys would always sing and swing. Say
dead. I found the seeds that all been sold. The gravy led the charge into the park, stopped the gates and put the game on hold. The police gave me a team of dreadful fright. Boston's Cheesy stuff. Uh, no re ads. <coughs> oh, man. Pizza, pizza. I hate that YouTube to place ads before videos. Play the video. <coughs> man, jeez. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Yes, go home. It's 8 o'clock. Oh, God. Go. The water went down the bad, went down the wrong windpipe. 